This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show this week, folks. We're going to jump right into it because there's just so much. There's so much, and it's it's wonderful, and it's terrible, and it's the best of times and worst of times and all the times in between right now. So starting off with that, it is also uh, time to play DraftKings. Hey, guys, DraftKings, great daily fantasy stuff on there. Lots of great stuff to do. Remember, download the, download the app. Use promo code THPN. Uh, get free entries into all sorts of awesome contests right now, chances to win all sorts of money. Uh, definitely want to check it out there. Uh, remember, terms and conditions apply on the web there, but I was checking out their website today. Man, there are just – I know basketball season's over and hockey season's over, but they've got so much going on. they got baseball every day. they got golf going on. they got MMA contests. They've got stuff related to the Olympics. Just everything. Just everything, guys. Just So if, if you want to play, have a good time. Enjoy it. Use our promo code THPN. Get some free entries. Have a good time. Win yourself some money. It'll be fun. All right. Beer of the week and a week when we're going to need some beer. Tusker. Finest quality lager. It's got an elephant on the front. The tagline is together forever. We know that's not true as Blue Jackets fans because... Our hearts are broken, folks. Our hearts are broken. Anyway, let's open this beer up. All right. What do we got here? I have no idea what to expect out of this beer. These are This is more from the international collection that my wife got me. I mean, it sounds like beer. Wow, that's light. I did not expect that. That is... That's just a light, easy drinking beer. Wow, I did not expect that. It says a lager on the front, but it's just good beer. That's I mean, it's it's light. It's the kind of thing you could drink on a summer's day and feel fine. Did not expect that, and I'll tell you why. Years ago, went to Ireland, did the uh, Guinness tour, and uh, Guinness obviously started in Ireland, then shipped to you know Europe. Well, they started shipping into South Africa and what they realized after they started shipping it was that the beer, because it was on the ships for so long, it would actually change and it made like a deeper flavor. Now, if you've ever had Guinness, you know, it's deep, but to think you're going to get deeper than regular Guinness, that's something. But what they realized was that the South Africans, because they were used to it, they really enjoyed it. They liked that deeper flavor. So now you can actually buy it some places, the kind of the special way they have to brew the Guinness because they don't want it to sit on ships for months getting there, but they brew it differently to replicate that taste of something that's been sitting on a ship and it's kind of a deeper, thicker beer. So that's kind of what I was expecting. I was expecting kind of a thicker, deeper beer out of this. Not getting it. Just light, easy drinking beer. I could drink those all day. All right, folks. Let's get to it. Um, First thing that happens, we're going to go through it chronologically. Because that's the way that makes the most sense to me and what's happened here and trying to explain, oh, so many things. And again, if you're watching us live on Facebook or something, you can comment right there and I'll, you know, we can respond during the show here and have a little chat if you want. Or if you're just listening to us, something I never ask you guys, if you listen to me on one of those podcast platforms where you can rate it, please do so. Please tell people about the show. I like doing it. 
Um, I like the feeling that people like to hear it. And may- maybe maybe you want to comment and say, Frank, I hate you. You're stupid. But, you know, then I'd know you care. So first thing that happened this week, the expansion draft happened. Uh, we did not have the bevy of side deals that we had during Vegas. And the Seattle Kraken took from the Columbus Blue Jackets. They could have taken Dean Kukin. They could have taken uh, Max Domi, the guy we traded Josh Anderson for. They could have taken him. They took defenseman Gavin Bayreuther. That's right, Gavin Bayreuther. A if you blinked, you missed it. Blue Jacket. Uh, I think he played like nine games for the team. He's one of those guys who was a prospect that just never really landed anywhere. And that's who they took. That was bizarre. I think we were all equally stunned when that moment happened. I was. I was like, why would you? Gavin Beirut, what? Now, again, it was, if you were like me on expansion draft day, I wasn't too worried about watching the show that night. Uh, the crew had a game. I was like, I'll watch that. And I really am not just going to sit and watch, you know, them announce names for an hour. Um, especially once they said that, like, there probably weren't any trades or anything. But uh, who was it? Frank Cervelli was just tipping the names all day. It's like someone gave him a list as soon as the Kraken turned it in, and he just, every five minutes, he just cranked another one out. So when he said Gavin Bayreuther, and I was like, well, there's got to be a side deal. What? Why do we give someone up? I mean, and and when I thought there was a side deal, I was like, that doesn't make any sense because we're trying to build something. We're not going to give away assets to protect a guy like Domi, who's here on one more year of a contract. So then it came out, no deal, no deal. So I'm going to share my theory. Now, I want to be clear, this is not a reporting thing. This is not a, I heard from, I heard from someone and they heard from someone. This is just my own general thought. It is known, it's not a secret, that Mattis Kivlinix was going to be exposed in the, fa- in the expansion draft. He was going to be the goalie exposed. I think the Kraken planned on taking him. Uh, he's a good player. He was a good player. He was gonna. He would have been a great backup. Uh, we know they were going to go after Chris Drieger from Florida, which is what they did, and they got Drieger. Um, and I think the plan was to have Mattis Kivlinix as the backup. And then when that when the tra- when the dra- tragedy happened on July fourth, I think the Kraken kind of took a step back and said, "Okay, who else?" Is there someone else on this roster that we think is a can't miss? And my, my guess is they looked at the roster and said, anyone we take, we're just going to, we're doing it to trade them. Um, when you look at the roster they drafted, it doesn't look like the, the Kraken were going for a Stanley Cup this season. It doesn't look like they were in win now mode. Uh, except for maybe Drieger. Drieger is a good goalie. So that's, that's a great player there, but. Didn't exactly like they're going for win now mode. So part of me wonders if, and I'm not saying there was a deal or anything. I wonder if kind of the humanity in that front office said, you know what? They lost a goalie in a tragedy and there's no one else here. That's really like that, that big difference maker for us. We're going to take one of the free agents and just call it that. I, I wonder, I'm not saying that's what happened. Uh, it's just a theory, um, and I am fully willing to say it's wrong. I just I need a better explanation to why they took Gavin Bayreuther, because I mean you can't look at me and say that Max Domi or Dean Kukin would not have gotten you something better for that. That they those two players would not have you couldn't have at least traded them and gotten a second round pick or a third round pick or something. 
So to just take a Gavin Bayreuther, who even if you ended up signing him to a one-year deal, you're not going to make anything out of that. That's not going to happen. So that's my theory on the subject. Anyway, next big event. Friday comes. Trades start happening on Friday. Things start happening. Hockey fans are just glued to Twitter, and then things are happening, and things are going left and right. And all throughout the day, there's this drumbeat of, Chicago and Columbus are working on a Seth Jones deal. Chicago and the Columbus are working on a deal. Throughout the day, they kept saying it. Like, Chicago really wants it to happen. They really want it to get something done. Well, the deal happened. Uh, relatively close to the draft. Uh, I remember it was it was around, I want to say it was around 6, because I was at out at dinner with my family. We went to a nice uh, Indian restaurant in town. Uh, I tried Indian pickles, which were, I, there was a specific name for them. That was an experience. Uh, my goodness, I I am someone who every time I go somewhere, I love to try something I've never tried before. Uh, and my main dish that night was something else I never tried before either. But it was just good Indian food, nice spicy, you know, lamb and potato and stuff in a sauce, and you put it on rice, and it was delicious. Um, but then the these these uh, Indian pickles, that was something else. But during this meal, I was looking at my phone and I was like, "Oh, that they're making the Seth Jones deal." The deal's happening. The deal. The Blackhawks got Seth Jones, the 2021 first-round pick that was the 32nd pick in the draft, the pick uh, Columbus got from Tampa Bay, and a sixth-round pick in 2022. Columbus gets Adam Boquist, a 2021 first-round pick, which was the number 12 overall pick, 2021 second-round pick, 2022 first-round pick. And, uh, yeah. And that was the deal. And then immediately Chicago turns around and signs Jones to an incredible, what was it, eight years times $9.5 million. That's that's crazy. That I mean, they went hardcore. They went hardcore. Now, here's the thing. You, if you know, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that I've acknowledged that the analytics community has had issues with Seth Jones. Uh, the numbers don't form out right. I have always fallen back on, okay, yes, I hear that. But while, while the eye test guys are telling me Seth Jones is good, other analytically minded people like Allison Lucan are telling me Seth Jones is good. Um, and, and I think Seth Jones does good things on the ice. But I, I say this, when you look at what some of the more advanced stats say, um, there is an argument to be made looking at some of these advanced stats that Seth Jones, that, that Adam Boquist, depending on what numbers you're looking at, is a better player now than. Uh, Seth Jones. And I know that sounds crazy. But when I look at... We're going to pull up some uh, some charts here with the folks at Evolving Hockey. Um, yeah. So, uh, over the last three years... Oh, oh, I'm getting there, folks. I'm sorry about this. I'm having a rough time here. This is just what happens to me. It's... Those, it's those Indian pickles still messing with me. So on Seth Jones' last three years, uh, looking at his advanced numbers, 
when you look at his goals above replacement, it's a small number. Uh, it's it's in the like the 05 percent there. Um, when you talk about his expected goals above replacement, we're closer to negative two. Uh, I am going to get these numbers up a little differently here for us, so I can go through them a little easier with you guys. Okay, so last season, um, when you look at a number like expected goals above replacement, Seth Jones, if we're talking about all situations, um, you know what, let's change that to a... Yeah, in all situations, his expected goals above replacement was negative 5.6. Adam Boquist was two. Uh, It's the kind of thing where you... It's interesting. Uh, I've seen some guys talk about how Adam Boquist, his closest comparable at this point in his career, as far as how his numbers line up, is one Eric Carlson. Now, Eric Carlson, if we all remember, had a span of a few years where he was one of the greatest defensemen anybody ever saw. I'm not saying Adam Boquist is going to be that. What I'm saying is that at this point, what Chicago is paying $9.5 million over eight years for, if Seth Jones can be what he was at his height, it's not bad for them on that contract. Now, when you start talking about what else happened in the deal, it really feels like Columbus won this deal a lot, but by a lot, um, because, because when you talk about a deal, I mean, those first round picks that Columbus got, they're only good as good as what you did with them. Well, later that night, here comes the draft. Looking at Corey Pronman's grades for the Blue Jackets on The Athletic, he gave the Blue Jackets draft grade an A-. Now, he also did a couple different articles. I'm not going to go into the specifics on those, but he broke down the draft by the first day and the second day. And he said, if you look at just the first day, the Columbus Blue Jackets had the best first day of the draft of anybody. And here's the main reasons here. And that number five pick, they took Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson, he's a center. And he's one of those guys where he's got that offensive skilled upside where this guy could be something special. Uh, the way they talk about him, they're saying he's maybe the most skilled guy in this draft. And I get it for this draft. It was a bit of a down draft for a lot of people. But again, if you're getting the most skilled guy in a draft, that's something the Blue Jackets have not gotten in a very long time. Something we've needed. Second pick, the number 12 pick. This is the one we got from Chicago. Cole Sillinger. Let me let me give you the little readout from... I'm just going to read the whole thing on Sillinger from, from uh, Corey Pronman here. Sillinger went to the USHL with the WHL's delayed start where he was one of the league's best forwards. Sillinger is a smart player who can make seam passes consistently and make creative plays due to his great hands and offensive IQ. He can play on the perimeter due to his vision and a great one-timer wrist shot combo, which he gets off with velocity and accuracy. He can also play inside. He wins battles, gets to the net, is reliable defensively, and doesn't shy from playing physically. His skating is an area of concern with a heavy stride. He likely won't be able to drive entries at the top level. In a sentence, Sillinger projects as a top six NHL forward, whether at center or the wing, who will bring scoring and physical elements to the lineup. So what have we got here? We have now got the thing Columbus has talked about needing for years, centers. We potentially have, with that Seth Jones trade, between that fifth pick and this pick, we potentially have what we've needed. We potentially have those two top centers. I mean, that could be where we're at. The third pick we had, the, the one that we got for Nick Foligno, a defenseman, uh, Corson Kuhlmans, uh, who, again, projects to be, depending on who you talk to, maybe he's a middle six forward or something, but 
he he seems like he could be a solid player. What I've what we're what I'm hearing, and the more I see it, the more I read different projections of him, is this is a player where he's probably going to be a, a second pair, a three or four guy, but he has a skill set where he could also be the defenseman on that second power play. So th- this is what I'm saying to Blue Jacks fans in total. If you're thinking about this week, if we're thinking about it chronologically, from Wednesday in the expansion draft till the end of the first round draft, it was all gravy. It was all gravy. Everything was good. All right, we're going to hear a quick word from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, and I will be right back with you here, folks. Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. Before I go any further, guys, somebody I forgot here on that first day, the Blue Jacks took that second round pick from Chicago, sent it to Carolina for defenseman Jake Bean. Uh, now, Jake Bean... He was the 13th overall pick by the Hurricanes in 2016. He seems also to be more of an offensive defenseman, which seems to be where the Blue Jackets are going between Boquist and now Bean. Um, and obviously, we already got Warinsky in the fold. So that's that seems to be the goal here. Uh, and and it, it's kind of re- building back up that depleted defensive core we've lost over the last couple of years here. So where I'm at uh, on things right now, You know what? Let's do the rest of the draft first, and we'll look at that here. So we go into the second round, and we go into the second day, and it's defenseman by the dozen, or not by the dozen. We got three straight defensive picks: Stanislav Svovil, Svozil, um, defenseman there projects as maybe a third line, third pair guy. Uh, Guillaumin Richard. Uh, we'll see if he gets into the NHL again. When you're getting to this point. You're getting into those third, fourth, fifth rounds. Guys don't have a huge chance to get in the NHL. Maybe they'll do it. You never know. Uh, Nikolai Markasov, a defenseman. And then in the uh, later rounds, James Malastea, Ben Boyd, Martin Rialzi. Going to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about these guys. So it's going to be, we'll see what comes of any of them. But the real story from day two of the draft. The Columbus Blue Jackets trade straight up. Cam Atkinson for Jakub Voracek. Straight up. Cam Atkinson for Jakub Voracek. And this was the move that made Blue Jackets fans ready to riot. We had an incredible day on day one. The fans were loving it. It looked like, okay, yes, we had to move Seth Jones, but things were going in the right direction. What I don't think fans were ready for was, hey, guys, we're doing a rebuild. That means we're really rebuilding this thing. 
So we traded away Cam Atkinson. Now, some of you may be saying to yourselves, Cam Atkinson loved it here. Why would we trade him? Well, Cam Atkinson might have seen might have seen what was going on. He might have seen the proverbial uh, writing on the wall that this was not going to be a good team. It's just not. And I, the story that we've all heard is that he was told that he was being drafted and that this is what Cam said. It's not like we're making it up or anything. It's not like I doubt that this happened. But he states that he was getting ready for his son's birthday party, his son's third birthday party, when he got the call that he'd been traded. Now, this is how I feel about it. A player who showed such devotion to the city, such devotion to the franchise. I hope, and I haven't heard a story one way or another yet right now, but I hope that there was some conversation before that happened. That there had been some kind of conversation about potentially being dealt. Um, I don't like the idea of this being completely out of the blue for, for a player like Cam who'd been devoted to the team. Uh, if he'd known something was coming, then I think it's much more something that I'm I'm fine with. And I, and here's the thing. As a hockey deal, I totally get it. Uh, first of all, Yarmo said that the idea was that they thought Jakub Voracek and his kind of offensive propensities, because Cam is a great penalty killer, uh, Cam, as good as he is, is not a great finisher at times. Jakub Voracek, not as great defensively, much more proficient offensively. So there, that's the trade-off there. Here's the other trade-off. Cam Atkinson has longer term left on his deal. Jakub Voracek is down to the last three years of his deal. Cam Atkinson has four years. Now, so Cam Atkinson has four years. He's 32 at a $5.875 million hit. Uh, Jakub Voracek, three years at a higher 8.25 hit. This is what I would say to most Blue Jackets fans who are like, ah, oh, why did we make this deal? We're just, because I mean, if we're rebuilding, why did we go out there and get a score? Well, one, you do need somebody to score some goals. You have to play a game still. Here's what I'm going to say to everybody right now, though. I would be stunned if Jakub Voracek actually plays out this contract with the Blue Jackets. My guess is that Jakub Voracek will play this season in Columbus. And then starting next offseason and potentially in the next season, there's going to be starting talks about a trade that he'll be traded out of town for picks. Maybe prospects. I'm not sure which yet. But here's the thing. The rebuild is on, folks. The rebuild is on. That's just where we are at this point. And, And I know for some people, they hate this idea. Like, oh, but we, I've seen a lot of negativity out of a lot of Blue Jackets fans on online about a lot of this. And they're like, oh, you can't call it a rebuild because you never actually built anything and this, and that, and the other. Remember, guys, when the team beat Tampa, that was an attempt to go all in. They went for it. And even coming out of that season, the next season, we made the playoffs, we won the play-in round. And I think the team looked at what they had, and they're like, okay, we've got the center in Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we've got good, we've got our number one center in Dubois. Coming out of the bubble, he looked like he was ready to actually become a number one. Then he went to Winnipeg, and that didn't happen. We had the defensemen. We had goalies. The idea was we have a chance. We might still be able to win with this group. We need to add to it. We need to figure out a way to add to it. But then before you can really make those big moves, 
Dubois says he wants to go. Okay, we trade Dubois, but we get line A. We get another potential high high end talent. Okay, this season goes bad. This season goes sideways. It's a weird the weird COVID year. It's tough to say exactly what's going on. And then Jones says he wants to go. What choice do you have at that point? When your biggest name guys are like, you know what, I want, I'm going to look around and do something else. Well, time to rebuild. Time to start over. Because here's the truth, guys. By the time this new young core is going to be ready, Cam Atkinson will not be a useful player. Maybe he'll be a good penalty killer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying these. Whenever you talk bad about players, some people are like, you couldn't do any better. And of course, I couldn't do any better. That's why I'm sitting here talking about it, not playing in the NHL. Or in any pro sports league. But... Just the reality of it is, this team will not be good for another two or three years. And when that happens, Cam Atkinson will be in the final year or so of his contract. Jakub Vorchek will not see the end of this contract. Gustav Nyquist, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I'd hate the idea of trading Oliver Bjorkstrand because he's so good and he's only 26 and he's five years left on the deal. There's the potential there that if you can turn this around in two years, which might happen if the two guys you got in this year can pay off in two years, that you might have three years with an Oliver Bjorkstrand to go for it. The other big move that I would be talking about if I was the Blue Jackets. Zach Warinski. It's going to be tough. If it was me, if I were running the Blue Jackets today, I would go to Warinski and I would sit him down and be like, here's the plan. The two guys we just drafted, we plan on developing them for one or two years. Then we'll have centers. We'll have, you know, we got two first round picks next year to get guys or to use that to get guys if we need to, or we can trade those if we need to. But if those two centers can can show up, then if you have your one and two center, and then you have someone like a Zach Rinsky on the blue line, and you've got the goalie in the system that this team has in Daniel Tarasov. And then you've got, you know, young wingers that are going to be coming up guys like a Liam foodie who they think still might be able to play center. Who knows? Um, I still think you're going to see something out of a tray fix. Wolanski. Uh, you've got Kevin Stenlin. You've got Jack Roslovic. You've got some of these guys that are still going to be here for a while. Igor Chinikov. You've got the Russians that are still coming. If you can get Zach Wierenski to buy into that, I think you offer him eight times nine now. As soon as you can offer it, you offer him eight by nine and see if you can get him to sign a long-term deal, buying into the idea that there's going to be a couple years of pain. That's my thought on it. That's my thought on it. I, I think the Blue Jackets are well-positioned to be good or not in two years are well positioned. Again, obviously draft picks could always not work out well, but again, you had three first round picks this year. I, I think you probably, I think it, the consensus is they hit with all of them. Now that's dangerous because you never know, but it's not like they always went with the safe player. Kent Johnson was not the safe pick. Kent Johnson's the home run pick. That's the big swing. We've got two first next year. And they've got a piece like Jakob Forcheck that's probably going to get another first, if not something else. So I'm positive about where this team is going. That's what I feel right now. I feel much more positive than I did just a month ago. When I first heard the news that Jones wasn't going to resign, I was, but now I'm feeling pretty positive about where things are at. So I hope you guys do too. All right, last thing we're going to hit on. 
I'm not going to spend a long time on it. Um, it's a strange topic. It's one that I just, I feel it'd be remiss if I didn't address it. And it was how the draft, the first round of the draft ended and the Canadians taking a player who has to be withdrawn from the draft because of actions that he did. Um, uh, essentially crimes that he committed and the Canadians took him anyway. I think probably the best word on this was from Bob McKenzie. And, and maybe it's not the best. I mean, there's a lot of people who talked about this. Um, lots of people expressed opinions. Lots of people expressed views on it. Uh, most of them were ripping into the Canadians. But his... I'm just going to read his little his little thing on it. Shocked that Montreal took Logan Malou, 31st overall, even though he asked all NHL teams not to take him because of a sex-related criminal charge, uh, judgment for taking slash distributing a photo of a woman without permission. Um, Malou was ranked 35th on TSN's final draft rankings, but many NHL clubs who still ranked Malou on their respective drafts lists indicated they would not be drafting Malou because of his criminal action in Sweden. It was stunning to hear his name called in the first round. Montreal issued the following statement after drafting Malou. The statement was, by drafting prospect Logan Malou with the 31st overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player, but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. The Canadians were aware of the situation and by no means minimized the severity of Logan's actions. Logan understands the impact of his actions. His recent public statement is a genuine acknowledgement of his poor behavior and first step on his personal journey. We're making a commitment to accompany Logan on his journey by providing him with the tools to mature and the necessary support to guide him in his development. We also committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of their actions on the lives of others. Mackenzie's comments after it. Final line of statement. We are committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of their actions on the lives of others. We'll be met with scorn and disbelief. Because, from a hockey perspective, Malo faced no real repercussions. He's a first-rounder. The only real victim in this situation is the teenage woman who actually experienced real repercussions through no fault of her own. I'm not sure many in hockey thought Malou would ever be, would never be drafted, but not sure many figured it would be tonight. And that that's the thing. Um, I don't think many people are out there saying this guy should never get to play. This should never happen because the, I mean, the thing is he faced the criminal charges that he faced, but the idea of him having the, the stature, the praise of a first round pick, uh, the idea that it was hockey culture signaling essentially to a whole generation of players who right now are in the CHL and anywhere else. Well, if you're good enough at hockey, you know, as long as it doesn't derail you being able to play in practice, whatever you do is whatever you do. Cause we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help you grow in personal development. Guys, people don't get better when they get to the NHL. Let's talk about this for a second. A little real moment. Guess what happens when people are given money and power. They become more themselves. 
This was a statement I heard originally from a uh, presidential historian named Jonathan Meacham. Um, when he was asked on the occasion, you know, the idea of, you know, when someone, when they're elected president, they rise to the challenge of the office. And he said, no, not really. And when you give someone money and power, they're more themselves. And that's, that's the problem here. Whenever somebody does something terrible and there are not swift repercussions that affect their life, then the the tacit acknowledgement is, well, that action was fine. It wasn't that bad. And that that's no good. When you're trying to change a culture of things, that's not good. But never let it be said that, that hockey, you know, people were worried about changing culture and making the world a better place. See, that's, as a little aside, part of the issue I think we have in the world is that when we have conversations about actually trying to be decent people, Oh, that's a conversation about a religious thing, or that's a conversation about a, a self-help podcast or a self-help book or something, not a conversation we have amongst ourselves. But it should be conversations we're having amongst ourselves. Little conversations. Like, I remember a few years ago when the Blue Jacks played the Penguins in the playoffs, there was the f- there were fights. That's no good. Nobody should be getting into fights over, over sporting games. Nobody should be, you know, we shouldn't be drawing blood because somebody wore the wrong jersey to the wrong arena. You can yell at each other, give you some good-natured ribbing. That's a good time. But, I mean, it's up to us to hold each other accountable for being better people. And that's the thing. This, this situation is the Montreal Canadiens saying, we don't really care about actually holding somebody accountable to saying they need to be a better person. Because um, what probably would have happened was he would have gone undrafted this year if nobody else had drafted him. I, let me be clear. There were reports that other teams were looking at drafting him, uh, maybe just later. That would have been bad in my mind. In that case, we would be excoriating them right now. Even if it was second, third, fourth round. If he asked not to be drafted this year, I wouldn't draft him. Because you know what he probably should have had? He probably should have had another year of stability where he was playing in the same league he played the year before. And he, I saw something where he talked about he was talking to a therapist or something. You know what? I don't know if this is therapy things or just he needs to figure out how to be a decent human being. But that's fine. But that's what he needed. He needed a year where his life didn't change to learn how to be a better person before he is shoved into a different country where he has people all around him and he's given money, given piles of money. And I understand he's on an entry-level deal, so you're like, oh, he's not getting piles of money, but he's getting hundreds of thousand dollars at 18. I, I mean, how many of us would have done great if our first job right out of high school, somebody was like, here's $300,000 or $200,000. Don't get into trouble, kid. You're 18 with a proven history of bad decision-making. Here's a couple hundred grand. Have at it. In a, in a city that's got great bars and party scenes and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, you're going to do great. Oh, geez. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for watching and listening. Main takeaway from this week, help each other be better, and the Blue Jackets are going in a good direction. So thank you very much for watching and listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Again, share this stuff. Have a good time. And, and more than anything else, go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief, and thank you for listening.